The mindset of a great athlete, the mindset of a great salesperson, and the mindset of a great leader is that they are always working on the craft and we're never arriving. There's always more to get better at. There's always a way to improve. Feedback's no big deal, right? Understand what feedback's valuable to you. Understand that feedback coming from a person who is coming from love and caring is feedback that you should listen to even if it hurts a little bit. This is Reveal, the Revenue Intelligent Podcast. Here to help go-to-market leaders do one thing. Stop guessing. If you're ready to unlock reality and reach your full potential, then this show is for you. I'm Danny Wasserman, coming to you from the Gong Studios. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Listeners of the Reveal Sphere, do we like howdy? The other one that I'm still working on is, right, Wasserman also happens to have two S's, kind of like Sass. So we like Sasserman? Well, we'll continue to give that a whirl. Anyways, folks, welcome to another, you guessed it, exciting episode of the podcast. Before we go any further, it is with heavy hearts and the utmost gratitude that we bid adieu and convey our most sincere thanks to fellow co-host Karina Owens, who has decided to move on. Karina, thank you so much on behalf of all of Reveal for your courage and your stamina as we continue to evolve the podcast, bringing our listeners the most novel, refreshingly original thought to these airwaves. Karina, thank you so much. Moving on, we've got a great episode. And what's going to happen is we're going to dive deep, not just into the achievements of an incredible individual, but also what in life brought them to where they are today as the Senior Vice President of Global Enterprise at Meltwater, Scott Gibbs, who... Happens to also Moonlight as the assistant basketball coach for Drew University for my Rangers out there. Go Rangers. Yep, you heard it right. We've got basketball being converged with B2B SaaS sales. So Scott has this unbelievable philosophy. He talks about this adage that your people don't care about what you've learned until they learn how much you care. And I'm, of course, bastardizing it. Listen to the episode here a little bit more about how Scott continues to bring this unrelenting commitment to humility, even from the perch at which he sits as the SVP of Global Enterprise at a large, massive behemoth like Meltwater. We're going to unravel the secrets of how Scott has gotten comfortable thinking about his personal and professional life, not as a linear destination, but as a continuing living, thriving in those shades of gray. So get ready for a super fun, dynamic unpacking of a career that any of us would be lucky to have. We're going to demystify and unpack what can you learn from basketball that applies to your world in sales. Let's get it going. Hit that DJ. Ladies and gents of Reveal, here we are yet again. Danny Wasserman this week bringing to you certainly... One of my coaches, I'm not even making that up, yes, Scott Gibbs, the SVP of Global Enterprise at Meltwater, who happens to be the basketball coach for the Drew University Rangers, is coming to us today helping to unpack, in spite of what have been numerous chapters of complexity during his nearly three decades at the helm leading enterprise sales teams in the B2B SaaS space, he's going to talk to us about what he does to not get distracted by that complexity. Scott, welcome to Reveal. Danny, it's so great to be here. I just want to correct. I am a volunteer assistant men's basketball coach at Drew University. Not the head coach, but 
I appreciate the introduction and it's great to be here. It's an honor to be here. Well, we'll make sure that, you know, now that Coach K has left Duke University, that this is just a stepping stone as you move further into the SEC, Scott. But really, really excited to draw parallels between, obviously, we've all in the world of Sayers drawn comparisons between sports and our profession. And that may, for listeners out there, cause you to roll your eyes or grimace like, oh, this is so predictable. But in fact, what I'm so excited for you to do today is to actually legitimize that, yes, while that may be oftentimes the case, You, as I alluded to in your intro, Scott, you've seen such complexity with over a decade at Cisco seeing that beast grow. Then rewinding the clock, going to Tableau where it was much smaller, taking that through an acquisition, and now yet again going to a smaller about 2,000-person company at Meltwater. There's complexity at each step along your journey and through, whether it's coaching basketball at Drew or other places, I have to think that you've grounded yourself amidst that turbulence with fundamentals. So... With that said, talk to us a little bit about what are those non-negotiable, fundamental Coach G rules of sales fundamentals that keep you pretty much, yeah, like I said before, balanced, albeit all that volatility? Yeah, it's such a rich question. I appreciate the opportunity to try to answer it as best I can. Yeah. I would say there's three big buckets there. One is leadership. Two is the playbook of activities and collaboration that you need among the team. And the third is just running a good factory-like operation. And I learned from Cisco how to run a great factory-like operation. I mean, they are the go-to-market grown-ups, and they've been able to last 35 years without being disrupted in spite of numerous attempts. And I think they deserve a tremendous amount of credit to do that. At Tableau, we learned that you know, mid-market takes you so far and then you really have to groove into enterprise go-to-market. And you and I got a chance to work together with the likes of Lynn Smith and Dan Miller and Adam Slipsky to to really reinvigorate Tableau's go-to-market in an enterprise form. And then now at Meltwater, we're doing the same thing. We have a mid-market business with an accidental enterprise business that's quite substantial because of the way we grew up opening offices around the world and selling concentrically there. And now we're purposefully growing our enterprise business. So so I feel very privileged to pick up experience, best practices along the way, but all roads lead to just me becoming a leader every day, having a really good playbook for the teams to action on, and then running a factory-like operation. Scott, I love the factory analogy. And it immediately made me think, okay, Henry Ford, you have one job in the assembly line and you're going to specialize in that. And I think that yields scalability, that yields efficiency, but we also have to contend with more, dare I even say, unprecedented volatility and competition. So as you build this factory, do you compromise on agility or you thread that needle where you want repeatability, but nonetheless, you don't want that repeatability to come at the expense of creativity or innovation? Talk to us about how you wrestle with those two paradoxical priorities. Danny, I think the thing that you're always trying to simplify is the inherent complexity of enterprise. Uh-huh. The customers are complicated. They consider yeah. themselves segments of one There are multiple ideal customer personas within the enterprise and successful companies normally have a number of platforms that they're trying to sell to a number of ICPs. So the factory helps you stay agile. Okay. And what I mean by factory is, hey, we're going to forecast our business 
bottoms up every single week, right? And so every week, you know, first line leaders with their teams, second line, third line, so forth, on a call together, that builds a ritual. It's, I call it, it's like cooking dinner with your family in a professional sense. Everybody's in the boat. Everybody knows where we stand on the week, month, quarter, and year, okay? Uh, a cross-functional account planning at scale, again, the complexity requires multiple functions, sales, customer success, product development, services, partner teams, all of that coming, all of those functions coming together around an inherent focus on the customer's needs. And what are our big bets? How do we put some big numbers on the board? Because the enterprise game is about getting large deals while maintaining velocity deals. It's doing both. So getting that orchestration in place among the cross-functional team so that every play, everybody plays their role on the account team. And then it's the large deal motions and the executive mm -hmm. interlock that you need to action and gain credibility with customers at a senior level so that they can count on you and they will make big bets on you as a vendor. So Wait. all of those things, you know, kind of create that ag actual agility in the context of the factory. Within the context of the factory, your comment, right? Like we are perpetually in this crusade as leaders to reduce the complexity of enterprise. I love that. That's never something that you can put to bed, put on the shelf and forget about that your job is to help usher or shelter, shepherd your teams away from that complexity. Fantastic. If we're talking to a basketball coach, it seems only fitting that we look at other sports figures who are masters at controlling the complexity or the pace of play. So in football, I think about Tom Brady, his patience with the clock or even Lionel Messi on the soccer pitch. Again, someone like Michael Jordan with very few seconds remaining in a game. All of them are very comfortable maintaining composure given the pace of things. Do you yourself, Scott, when things begin to intensify in complexity, do you have any sort of red alerts? Do you have any systems, triggers that you can share with our listeners that remind you, Scott, slow down, Scott, pull up. We're just trying to reduce complexity opposed to feeding into it. Yeah, I think it's really a mindset of, Sometimes you just have to slow down and go fast and you just can't, as a leader, you can't get swept away in the activities of the moment and you need to be able to zoom out. And that probably is one of the things I've learned over time and improved in my own leadership paradigm over time is slow down and go fast. This is a journey. There's no perfect way to proceed. We have to stay humble, Yeah. take our time. And that ultimately just simple things like that, staying connected to that with my mindset has really helped me, I think, guide and be on the quest of simplifying the complex, because that's really what enterprise is all about, simplifying the complexity. Was there a time in your career, perhaps being new to leadership years ago, where instead of slowing down, you actually maintain that pace or you contributed to the complexity, you compounded it. And that in hindsight, you're like, oh, that was a miss. Any stories that stand out as you're leading someone or a team, right? Like, mm, that wasn't the right move. Can you tell us a little bit about maybe when you stepped in it? Yeah, I'm still stepping in it, Danny. Yeah. Right. I mean, we never arrive as leaders and I'll give you a specific example. I had a leadership coach at Cisco and I was struggling with just acquiring my teams. Yeah. And I think that I would say that my there, there was a pivot point where leadership coach 
told me that I was a six to 10 thinker. So that if there were, if there's 10 steps to solving a problem, I kind of wake up on number six. And if and this isn't a statement about, oh, I'm smarter than everybody else at all. It's just that I just happen to wake up on number six often. And if there are others on the team that are at one and two, I need to slow down and make sure that I take the extra time to allow the solutions and the scenarios to conjure up among the team. And that piece of advice is incredible, incredibly valuable. And I think I've packaged that advice with a sense of humility that I've developed over years of coaching kids at all, at all ages and who really help you look in the mirror. And I think it's helped me a great deal. But to this day, I go home, we're working on big, a big enterprise transformation at Meltwater. And I go home and I reflect on Hey, did I ram that too fast or did I go too quickly? Should I have done this or should I have done that? So I'm always searching and never arriving. And I would say that's a big piece of my mindset now. Really helpful. And thanks for being so candid with that six to 10 lesson that remains timeless. Thinking about what you bring to the basketball court as an assistant coach at Drew, is there anything that so directly relates to tactics ways of developing coaching, managing at Meltwater. I'm thinking, oh, okay, what's the equivalent of running suicides for a sales team when, you know, they're not conditioned or when you think about, okay, how many free throws do you have to hit at the end or before every practice? Is there any direct comparison? I think people love analogies so much because for you, Scott, as the SVP of sales, it is for so many of our listeners, an aspirational role, but they can't even compute with the degree of responsibility, authority, complexity. But when you then put it into a context that seems more familiar, all of a sudden they're like, oh, okay, yeah, I get it. It doesn't seem nearly as unattainable or abstract. So anything that directly compares between basketball and running a global sales team? Yeah, I think that the mindset of a great athlete is that they're always working on their craft. Mm -hmm. The mindset of a great salesperson is that they are always working on their craft. And the mindset of a great leader is that they are always working on the craft and we're never arriving. There's mm -hmm. always more to get better at. There's always a way to improve. Feedback's no big deal, right? Understand what feedback's valuable to you. Understand where there might be some control dramas and maybe you don't wanna take that feedback, but understand that feedback coming from a person who is coming from love and caring is feedback that you should listen to, even if it hurts a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. It's just no big deal. And that's something that I've had to dismantle really in myself over years. I think I'm in a good spot and have been in a good spot with that for a long time now. But I would say that's probably one of the, you know, one of my key leadership values is stay humble. It's a journey and that feedback's no big deal. And then when we seek it about how we can get better, and it speaks to the best friend that gong is to salespeople because it allows you to get coached. It allows you to reflect. It allows you to bring some other people into the fold to say, hey, should I have said this or should I have said that? No different than, hey, how are the mechanics of my jump shot? How am I moving my feet? It's really no different. It's a craft. It's really like for a leader as well, there's leadership moments when you, you are at a fork in the road. Mm -hmm. And what do I say? What do I do? How do I impact the teams that I'm leading? Why are people following me? 
these are things that are part of just a journey and a craft that we just need to practice and get better on. So if we just practice, if we just treat it like practice, we're going to like where we are as professionals. Since we just heard from Scott about the importance of feedback, we're going to dive a little deeper into the data surrounding the topic. In a recent survey from Sales Management Association, organizations with an effective feedback process reported 14, 14% higher revenue growth than those peers of theirs who had ineffective feedback systems and loops. Yes, not only is feedback as a gift, but revenue, actual revenue is at stake. So get this, this is your moment to ask yourself, does my team have a stellar performance review process in place? Do I intentionally take the time to listen to my team's calls so I can constantly be coaching and giving constructive, helpful feedback? The answer is no to anything, but a resounding yes. Oh, you've got some work on your hands. So with all that being said, prioritize feedback and not just making time to give it, but get really good yourself at receiving and listening to it. Let's get back to Sensei Feedback himself, Scott Gibbs, and hear more. This is now the second time in our conversation, Scott, where there's this idea mentally for you of the perpetual crusade, the perpetual crusade to reduce complexity in enterprise, or in this last bit, the perpetual crusade to get better that it's never a destination. Were you always so comfortable in being in this infinite continuum? Because I think we all really index and gravitate towards structure and finality and there is that destination how did you sort of come to peace with something that you can never fully attain danny the most impactful thing i've ever done is get into competitive coaching okay as far as my leadership career you know the division three basketball season is you know october to february right so it's very short you're not allowed to be on the floor with the athletes beyond that the but coaching kids from say seventh grade into college, the thing that it, it does is force you to reflect about how coachable you are, hmm. right? If, if I'm coaching, you know, I'm saying box out and rebound and do these things and you're defensive about it, I may get into you even more. I may have to show you film. I may have to do things, right? The thing that teaches you and forces you to reflect on yourself is, hmm, that time when my boss said this stuff about what I'm doing to me, you know, that maybe I was a little too defensive. Maybe I'm asking 15-year-old Danny to, to be coachable, to listen to feedback. And maybe I need to, you know, live, walk the walk a little bit. Uh-huh. So you're in that mirror all the time when you're coaching. And then there's all the practical lessons that you take from coaching competitive athletes to the workplace. And then all of the practical lessons that you take from the workplace to the basketball court. And I would say coaches will say, hey, Scott, when you tell the athletes this is the way it is in the real world, like they really listen, right? And when I come at professionals and I'm coaching them up, I can shoot them straight in a way that this is about your craft. This is about getting better. This is not about you. It's not about your ability as a professional. It's more just about getting better at your craft. And I think when that flows in the conversation and people know that you care they, and you come from love, they take the feedback. Mm-hmm. And if you're coming from a place where, hey, I'm telling me too, it's no big deal. It just creates that open dialogue. 
that is very productive. Amazing. Thinking about in the last decade, Scott, you've been in really domestic North American or regional centric roles, then you've gone to national roles. And now at Meltwater, here you are, the global enterprise sits within your purview. In Scott Gibbs' golden playbook of fundamentals and right, <laughs> thinking about what has made you so wildly successful, are there certain fundamentals that transcend geographic boundaries? Because just inherently as human beings, this works in EMEA and this works in APAC. And then the same question, but are there also fundamentals that are best suited for a North American style of sales that would never fly as a fundamental based on the disposition of Europeans or Asians? That's an incredibly good question. And something I've learned a lot since I've had the privilege and experience of doing global deals with big enterprise in my career, but not necessarily directing directly managing and leading global teams. And so one of the richness about Meltwater is we are in 50 countries across six continents. Our platform is surfaced in over 200 languages. So that's a really rich, diverse set of sellers and customer success professionals that, that I have the privilege of leading at Meltwater. And there is a commonality and it's an old coaching adage that says people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So that rings true whether you're in Singapore or New Jersey, right? Whether you're in Amsterdam or Japan, that rings true everywhere. So I try to bring that to the table each and every day. Then there are specific approaches that we as leaders need to think about to connect with a team in EMEA versus a team in APAC, and even at a country level within those regions versus what we do in the, what we do in the US and Canada and LATAM. So as a leader, it's just part of the craft. You have to understand, you have to ask. I was in Tokyo over the summer, I spent time prepping with the teams on how I handle conversations with an interpreter. You just have to be, you got to bring your humility to the table and say, you know what? I don't know what works and what doesn't. I think I should just slow down so I can make sure I can go fast and serve the team in the best way possible. Amazing. Scott, certainly even in your time, you've borne witness to acquisitions that Meltwater has made. And going back to the idea of your job to continue to protect, shepherd, whatever it may be, preserve this factory, when you acquire companies, that's a new complexity. If we stick with the factory analogy, that's a new product line, that's a new assembly line, that's a different satellite you know, manufacturing facility. How do you do one of two things? Absorb those acquisitions in a way that preserves the factory efficiencies, but then also what are you trying to teach your team to sell with this new appendage to the factory? Talk to us about that complexity that a lot of our listeners are contending with either from the perspective of an IC or from the perspective of being a leader of that acquisition? I think that the reason in Meltwater's case, we bought Linkfluence Clear and Aller in 2021. And with each, we got dramatic positive additions to our ability to serve customers. How that breaks down into a sales organization and a go-to-market organization where you're blending corporate marketing and product marketing and field marketing 
customer success, technolo technology, process, and people is really where the challenge is, but it's also where the magic can happen. And a lot of times it's about, are these roles clear? So it gets back to, are, do people know their role on the team? Are the comp models aligned? So do we have role clarity bound by comp, right? And are the teams centered on moving in the same direction to, to service the customer and grow the business? And those are the elements that are the challenge when you're integrating acquisitions. So we have role clarity bound by comp, account planning at scale, where it's cross-functional. We understand the ICPs. Everyone understands their role on the team. And then there is a little bit of enforcement, quite honestly. There is a little bit of, hey, is Danny working with you guys? Is, are you having access to the customers? Are we behaving in a way that is all about the team and the customer? Or are we being less like that? All of those things have to modulate in the business day to day. Great. Well, it occurred to me as we're having this conversation, Scott, that seasonally the time of our discussion falls within a period. There are a bunch of open seats with NBA franchises given folks that didn't make it to the finals. I know the 76ers just sacked their coach. I think the Suns have an opening. So with all of this wisdom, these pearls that you're sharing, are we going to see you courtside in the 2023-24 season? Because my goodness, anyone could be taking nuggets from just 20 minutes hearing from Coach G. Is that aspirationally where you want to go? I'm going to say that you will see me courtside because of the good graces of my boss, John Box, at CEO of Meltwater. You'll see me courtside at Drew University. There you go. But you will not see me courtside at the NBA. But I will continue to coach knowing that it makes me a better leader and continuing to lead in my workday knowing it makes me a better coach. The adage that you reference is certainly something that I'm going to take from this conversation moving forward. The idea that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Oh my God, just gives me the chill. So Scott, thank you so much for imparting what is a wealth of knowledge to our listeners. Nearly 20,000 unique monthly listeners are all going to benefit from this. So thanks so much. If you have listened to Reveal, you also know that we bury one final question that we ask every single one of our guests. So as a listener, you probably know what's coming, but for folks who have heard Reveal before, this is their first time. Here we go. Scott, the last question of today's episode. If you could describe sales in just one word, what word would that be? Craft. Say more. Say more? It's a craft. Yeah. It's a practice. It's a never-ending. The beauty of sales is you never arrive as a great salesperson. Until you retire, you never arrive. You're always getting better. So just keep practicing. I don't want to shamelessly plug Gong here, but use Gong. Use it. It's akin to watching game film. Work with your boss. Find out how you can get better. Don't fear feedback. Lean into it and treat it as a craft, and you will like where you go in this profession. I promise. Swish. My goodness, Scott, thanks so much for draining that three right at the end. This is Scott Gibbs, the SVP of Global Enterprise Sales at Meltwater. Scott, thanks so much for being here. Danny, thank you. It's great to be here. It was an honor and a privilege. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Reveal. If you want more resources on how revenue intelligence can help you 
create high-performance sales teams, head on over to gong.io. If you like what you heard, give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you may listen.